Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. This episode is one that you're going to want to stop whatever you're doing. You're probably going to need a pen and paper. You're going to take some notes because I am honored to have Sissy Goff back in studio. And I did an episode with her a number of, it's probably two years ago or so. And I continue to this day to hear from people who have read that book and listened to that episode and have been so deeply impacted. But she is back with a brand new book that I feel like possibly, I mean, Raising Worry for Girls, that's just about the most needed topic. But this one, I almost feel like it is even more needed than Raising Worry Free Girls because it's called The Worry-Free Parent living in confidence so your kids can too. Sissy, thank you for joining me again. Crystal, I love getting to be with you every single time. It's very fun to get to sit down. I just appreciate it. You drove back from camp to come and be (laughs) here today. Like Your commitment to pour into families, Mm -hmm. to help children, to help parents, and you are making such a huge difference in so many lives. So kind. Well, I sure want to, and I'm grateful to be in this space in this mm-hmm. time and, and to get to help. So I know we you've been on the podcast before, but I'd love yes. to just give people just in a nutshell kind of who you are and what you do. Well, I have been counseling kids and families for 30 years this summer, which is Crazy. Wow. Makes me feel so old that I could do anything for 30 years <laughs> besides watch cartoons or something. But yes, 30 years, and I get to work at this magical little place called Daystar Counseling. We are in a yellow house with a white picket fence. I get to take my dog to work every day, which is one of my very favorite parts of my job. And we see, I think at Daystar, we see about 2,000 families currently have 13 humans on staff, five dogs. My dog is one of five. And out of that work, I get to write and speak and have a podcast of my own and and hopefully help beyond the walls of Daystar. And mm-hmm. so, and then in the summers, as you mentioned, we have a little summer camp for the kids that are involved in counseling. And so I am the director of our summer camp. So I have been up there for, I think I'm on four weeks now, I have three weeks to go. And if I sound hoarse, I've just been with 35 second through fourth graders. <laughs> which was really fun. And yes, that's that's kind of my life in a nutshell these days. And then I have a much younger sister. I have a 16-year younger sister. It's just mm. the two of us. And she lives about three blocks from me. And I get to hang out with her little guys a lot. That's kind of my favorite side mm. job is being, they call me Diddy. Because I have thousands of kids over the years who've called me Sissy, and I wanted them to have their own mm. thing with me. So being Diddy is probably my favorite job these I days. I love that. So you talk a lot about worry and anxiety. Yes. Why has that become kind of something that I feel like is really a passion of yours? It's kind of weird to say a passion. Mm-hmm. You have a passion for worrying, but <laughs> but 
why has that become something that is just your heartbeat that you talk a lot about? Well, it's funny. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, if I've ever told you this story, but I um, have a phenomenal editor named Jeff at Bethany. And he, we, David Thomas and Melissa Trevathan and I wrote a book called Are My Kids on Track? And Jeff approached me and said, you said a couple of sentences that I'd like to follow up on more. And he said, you talked about how the age, average age of onset for anxiety used to be eight. Now you're seeing it drop to six. And that girls are twice as likely as boys to deal with anxiety at the time, which was maybe 2017, the statistics were one in eight kids. And he said, would you ever write a book for that age girl about worry and anxiety? And as a therapist, my first response was only if I can write one for parents too, Mm. because it, it can be is often a systemic issue, which we can talk about that definitely. But so I wrote this. These two books, Raising Worry-Free Girls and Braver, Stronger, Smarter, that came out in August and December of 2019 Mm. with no idea what was coming next. Mm. And at that point, when I'd written the books, the numbers had jumped from one in eight to one in four kids with still girls twice as likely. And so then all of a sudden this pandemic hit and Honestly, it was such a gift for me to be able to, I felt like I could help. Mm. You know, I felt like there was something I can do when everyone felt so lost, kids and parents. And so I did all these funny little book clubs and different things on Instagram trying to help. And and immediately when it hit, I became most worried about adolescents because we were virtually counseling and I was watching through a computer the faces of these teenagers that were just disheartened. And so... I think in six weeks, I wrote the book Brave, which was the book I wrote for teenage girls about anxiety. And so it's kind of like I just have been trying to step into where I feel like the need is most. And since the pandemic, I have never sat with as many parents who are feeling discouraged, who are feeling like failures, who are behind the closed doors of a counselor's office, which I love when parents feel like they can be honest saying, I'm getting angry more than I ever have before, and I do not want to do that, and who are feeling anxious. I mean, the the numbers are just exploding. And so I felt like I want to do something to help because the anxiety is the most prevalent disorder among kids and grownups today, but it's also the most treatable. And so I wrote all these books to say, here's some really practical things you can do that maybe can even keep you out of a counselor's office. Obviously, I believe in counseling and thinks it's a wonderful thing, but these are kind of a first effort, first pass to say, here's some things you can try that I really believe, especially with this book, can not only make a huge difference in your life, but in the life of your entire family. Mm. Well, and I appreciate how your books are so practical. They're so hands-on. It's not just like, here's the problem, but you're giving very specific solutions. And I cannot tell you how many people I have recommended your books to. I hear from so many moms all the time who they're really worried about their child. Yes. They don't have friends or they're really anxious about heading into middle school or to high school, and they just don't know how to help them. And I love that you in your books can walk with parents through this. You talk about, especially in the worry-free parent, like as if they were walking into your office and you're giving them some real tangible help and helping them to know, do they need to call a therapist? Yes. Like, is are, are they in a place for that? Or do they just need some really practical tools in their toolbox? And you give them both. Um, you start out the book 
pretty hard hitting in the sense of that, you know, giving that you talked about one in four children mm-hmm. dealing with anxiety, but you also say in almost every situation in which I've had an anxious child or teen in my office, they have had at least one anxious parent. And you said, that's from my observation. The research says that if you have anxiety as a parent, your child is seven times more likely to deal with it themselves. I feel like right there, parents can be like, that's giving me anxiety just thinking <laughs> I'm so about sorry. that. But yes. talk to us about that. Like what, how as a parent do we even know if we're having anxiety? Because I think there's, we're so focused on our kids. Like mm. we just want to help them. We want to walk with them well and maybe don't even recognize what we're dealing with in our own self that could be kind of trickling down on them. Right. Without any intention. That is mm. never a parent's intention, I know. You know, I, I always think of it like, we all worry. I mean, the reality is we're never going to be worry-free this side of heaven. It's what we're working towards. But I think we can keep worry from having the power it has mm. in our daily lives that impacts us. I talk in the book about how worry does its best to define our past, to distract us in the present, and defeat us in the future when we're not even there yet. Mm. So the way that I would describe anxiety as different than just worry that comes and goes, because The reality is we all have hundreds of what are considered intrusive thoughts every single day. So worst case scenario thoughts, I really blew that thoughts, I'm I'm a terrible parent thoughts. I mean, any of those things that are going to come in and when we don't have anxiety, they go right back out. We dismiss them. When we lean towards being anxious, I'm not necessarily categorizing everyone with a person, uh, an anxiety disorder in this conversation, but I think when we lean towards more anxiety, that thought's going to come in and it's going to get stuck with the little girls in my office. I call it the one loop roller coaster at the fair. And so, and not only I think does it get stuck, but it gets bigger and more pervasive. Mm-hmm. And so the 16 year old who was supposed to arrive at their friend's house at 1020, at 1022, you've already decided that child has been in a car accident and is gone. You know, I mean, it's like, We just jump to these conclusions. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the degree that we, I think we overestimate the problem so significantly. And our emotional reaction in those times is bigger than the situation warrants Mm -hmm. almost every time. So to clarify, are you saying like those thoughts that come in, like I really dropped the ball. I'm a terrible parent. What is wrong with me? What are you saying that that's normal? Um, well, I, I'm saying that I think if you're having those kind of thoughts regularly, you're leaning a little anxious. Okay. I do think they're normal. I remember my mom saying to me, it's a parent's job to worry. Mm. You know, I think it's normal to have some. And in this day and age, I think parents are more conscientious and trying harder than they ever have in the history of time, mm-hmm. which is so beautiful. And it can sometimes be debilitating. Mm. And I think that's the part of the problem is we know too much. And so... We just are so worried about getting it right all the time that I think we can lose connection. I mean, I I, I had a mom say to me, I'm so worried about getting it right that I'm not even parenting. Mm -hmm. She's just spinning Mm -hmm. off all the time. So these thoughts are coming in. They're getting stuck. Yes. What do we do? Well, I think one thing where I would really want to start is if you're listening 
to this podcast. One of the things that I learned researching about anxiety is that anxiety is always searching for context. So it's a little bit like it's scanning the environment inside of you, figuring out a place to land. And so what happens is it takes the things that matter the most to us and attaches there. So I could draw you a timeline of development and we could talk about six-year-olds who are most afraid of being away from their mom or dad. We could talk about 10-year-olds who threw up once and they don't throw up very often and now they can't stop thinking about throwing up. That's what their intrusive thoughts are about. We can talk about 13-year-olds who think, I'm annoying to my friends. No one wants to be my friend. Basically, if we drew a timeline of the things that matter most to kids at every age, that would be where their looping thoughts are. So if we fast forward, I have so many parents over the years who would say, I've never had any anxiety until, what did you say? Until I had kids. Right, exactly. Because the thing that you care about the most, all of a sudden you care exponentially more than anything ever in your life before. And so, of course, you're anxious. And that's where anxiety takes root. And so we decide the 13-month-old who has less words in their vocabulary than your neighbor's 13-month-old all of a sudden isn't going to be able to drive a car at 16 and is never going to have a job. You know, we just, we forecast and forecast and forecast and make things have more weight than they necessarily need Mm. to out of that anxiety. I think there would be some parents, I'm just going to push back on be kind of the devil's advocate who are saying like, but shouldn't I be concerned about my child? You know, like at what point do I know, oh, this is healthy concern or this is unhealthy anxiety. Yes. Thank you. And that made me realize I got off track of what I was trying to say anyway, that of course you're concerned. And that's what I would say. You know, it's fascinating with kids because every kid I've ever met who's anxious is really bright. They're conscientious. They try hard. They care so much. The same is true for parents. If you're worried and you're anxious, it's because you're a good parent. Mm -hmm. It's because you love your kids like crazy and you want the best for them. Even sometimes when anxiety comes out as anger, you're trying to get out the door and you want them to be on school on time because they've already had three tardies and you know what the fourth brings and you end up yelling. It's really because you want good things for your kids. Mm -hmm. And so the very first thing I want every parent to do is back up and say, this is because I want so much for them. That's why I'm worried. That's why I'm anxious. And when that gets in the way of who you want to be as a parent, when it's looping and looping and looping and you find yourself distracted, you find yourself angry, you find yourself caught up in your own failure, comparing yourself to your kids, you just have the thoughts that you simply can't get out of your mind. That's when I would say, "Mm, I think it might be time to do something about it. And so then... What do we do? So, you know, my hope is the book's going to have a lot of practical things. And what I would say to parents is get a copy of the book. If it feels like it doesn't move the needle enough, then that's when I would want you to go to counseling. And in terms of really practically what we can do, big picture idea, I want you to have some kind of mantra that you go back to, even like Sissy says, I worry because I'm a good parent. I mean, I don't care what it is. I I want you to trust your gut as a parent. I want you to know that you know more than anybody else about your kids. You've got this. You've got everything you need inside of yourself. So have some things you can say to yourself over and over. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. Whatever you want to go back to that is some kind of truth. And in the moment, 
here's what I want you to do. I want you to start with deep breathing. We talked about that last time I was here, but I cannot say enough. And I think it's easy to think, oh yeah, 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 all that mindfulness stuff. But the reality is when we get anxious, not just kids, but when we get anxious, the blood vessels in our brain constrict. It shifts the blood flow away from the thinking part of our brain that helps us think rationally and manage our emotions. And it goes to the amygdala. That's the fight or flight part of our brain, which is why we panic. It's why we get angry sometimes and don't intend to. And so until we can calm our bodies back down, nothing good is going to happen. We are not going to have a productive conversation with our kids. We're not going to be able to help them work through whatever's going on with them. So we have got to start with calming our bodies down and breathing is the best way to do that. So I'm going to need a minute. And in fact, that's the second thing I would say. I want you as a family to come up with a code word. And code words are great when they're silly and it'll make everybody laugh, but it can be anything. And in that moment, you're going to say watermelon or whatever it is that's, that basically everybody in your family knows this means pause. And when I say watermelon, I can't necessarily con- uh, control that my kids are going to walk away, but I can that I am. And so I'm going to say watermelon. I'm going to go to my room or my bathroom and lock the door if I have to. And I'm going to do some square breathing or I'm going to take three or four really slow, deep breaths because 20 seconds of deep breathing begins the process of resetting the amygdala. Mm. And then I'm going to be able to come back out and have a more thoughtful conversation. And I think even in that moment to do the breathing, if you need to, you can do some grounding techniques. If you cannot get out of the looping spiral, and we talked about those before, the same ones that work with kids work with us. Five things you See four things you hear, three things you feel, two things you smell, one thing you taste, or have a scripture that you say out loud to yourself over and over because reciting something in our voices out loud has a really calming effect. And we know God's word has power when we go back in those moments. And so doing something like that and then asking yourself, who do I want to be in this moment? What do I want my child to be receiving from me? And then you can go back out and have a different, thoughtful, non-reactive conversation because that reactive part of your brain is no longer in control. Mm. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it and it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis. So I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin and it was such a help to me. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. It works so well. 
I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief... I highly recommend checking out Claritin D. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is sponsored by ByHeart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in, and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like ByHeart. ByHeart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, ByHeart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really 
really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amoir.style forward slash crystal. That is amoir.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. Now, one thing that keeps coming to mind as you're talking, I know for me, a lot of my anxiety came from me caring so much what other people thought about my parenting and about my kids. And I feel like, so when I was able to actually acknowledge that and see how really honestly, and see how the dysfunction that was there, that that was born out of and deal with that, it calmed my anxiety down in a big way. And I I don't have any research for that, but I just know for me personally, I found so often I would start feeling this, you know, you feel that inside of you where it's just like things are rising up and it's going to just explode out on everybody. You just are feeling out of control inside. And if I would start to dig into where's this coming from, it's, you know, that tardy at school that I don't want to get my child, I don't want my child to have because I'm thinking of they're going to think I'm a bad parent. Like they're going to know that like, we're, things are falling apart at home. They're going to think that, you know, and I, and I would spend so much time worried about what other people are going to think about my parenting. And I let so many people and my, you know, me projecting what they would think about me really ruin my ability to just be present with my kids. Yes. Have you seen this? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I see that. And so if you were in counseling, I mean, you know, a counselor's job in my opinion, is to be very kind, to help you give yourself a lot of grace and to challenge you sometimes. But I think, I believe in 2023, moms are challenging themselves too much. Mm. I think, I don't think I've ever seen moms be harder on themselves Mm. than they are right now. It just breaks my heart. Mm. And if you were in my office, I would say, Crystal, of course you care what people think about your kids. You're so relational and you mm-hmm. care so much about people. And that's one of the other tricks we talk about in the book or, or really cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. It's called reframing. And so, you know, some of the art you have in here, if it has a black frame and we took off that black frame and we popped a gold frame on it, we're going to see something totally different. And I want... I want any parent who's listening that's finding themselves saying things, you didn't do this, but saying things like, I should never be comparing myself to other people. That's terrible that I do that to stop and say, again, the reason I do that is because I care about other people and I love my kids and I want them, I want them to have the best foot forward. And so that, that's what that involves sometimes because I think the harder we are on ourselves, not that we don't work on our stuff and we need to if we are comparing our kids to others, 
that's only going to cause more issues for us and for them and for our relationship. And so we want to work on that. But I think when we're anything we're working on from a kinder, gentler place is going to come out differently. Mm. And so sometimes that reframing can be really instrumental in that process. So talk to us about what it would look like to be a worry-free parent. Like you said, we're never going to be fully worry-free, but what would be a healthy, let's, let's take the tardy example, because honestly, mm. I've, that's been me. I am getting places on time has always been my challenge. I was born 17 days late and my mom said I've always been late ever since. <laughs> um, so good. But with my kids, like that's been something that's been a challenge. And, and so what would be, let's say we get up late, we're trying to get out the door to get to school and we're just having a rough morning. And I just know at the rate it's going, they're going to be tardy. And I'm just then projecting on, oh my goodness, they already have three tardies. Four tardy means four tardies mean that they're going to have in-school suspension and that's going to affect their grades. That's going to affect their sports. And like, I'm going into this loop of not only what people are going to think about me, but how it's going to affect my child. And I'm this terrible parent and all of that. Okay. So let's say I'm there. What do I do? Well, I talk about five types of parents I'm seeing the most in my office. And and if I were going to break them all down, they are all doing some type of intervening and rescuing with their kids out of their own well-intentioned anxiety. And so to me, being worry-free in that moment, part of it is letting your child get the next tardy. Mm. And if they have to do Saturday school or they have to miss recess that day, they were I would say a significant part probably of why you were late. Mm. And and I think we are not allowing children to learn from their consequences anymore. Mm. And in fact, we're preventing them from even experiencing any type of discomfort, which is one of the most concerning aspects of parenting today to mm. me, because discomfort creates flexibility, which offsets anxiety. In mm. fact, it's preventative work to allow kids to be in the middle of discomfort. And so I would say... Kids are going to learn from their own mistakes more when we're a worry-free parent. And I believe we're present. We just have the ability to be engaged. We have the ability to let go of the list and just to connect with them more. I have a whole chapter for type A parents Mm -hmm. because I think, and I am at the front of the line, I think we are the worst. I I mean, I was, I have been type A my whole life. And I mentioned my sister who's so much younger than I am. And I, I remember her being probably four and in the car with me. And me pulling into the driveway at our house, I love to take her places with me, but she just was so slow all the time. And I remember her saying, she called me Kiki because she couldn't say S's yet. And she said, Kiki, why are you always in such a hurry? And at six, however old I was, I was 20, then I, I don't think I thought through to the degree. I just said, yeah, I am. <laughs> but now I think I so don't want to be that with my nephews. And the more in a hurry I am, the more I have this agenda that is driving what I'm doing with them, the angrier I get. Mm. It circles back to that. And then I'm not only not present, but I'm not who I want to be with those kids. Mm. And so I think I think we're freer. I think we're more connected. I think we're, we let them learn really good lessons when mm. we can back up and not intervene in those ways. So I oftentimes talk about online raising adults and not kids and how we let our kids make a lot of mistakes. Like we, as they get older, giving them more and more responsibility because by the time they leave our home, I want them to have 
a pretty good idea of what it is like to be an adult. And so great I hear so often from parents saying, but if I allow my 12-year-old to be in charge of their homework, they're going to fail the class. And so then they start worrying about how that's going to impact so many different things. And I love what you said about letting them have discomfort, but I think that scares a lot of parents a lot. Yes, I am sure that it does. And I, I mean, I know that it does from counseling and what it looks like. And and I would say, I'm trying to think of how to say this thoughtfully and graciously because I want it to sound that way, but I have never seen as many kids who don't know how to dis- handle discomfort, who expect what they want when they want it, mm-hmm. as I'm seeing today. And and a lot of those kids are really anxious because mm-hmm. the world is working for them and they're not having to deal with discomfort, deal with disappointment, deal with having to do hard things. And every anxiety researcher would say for kids to work through their anxiety, they have to do the hard thing. And and I feel really concerned about these kids. I've never heard as many kids who are turning 16 that aren't ready to drive. Mm. That is a totally new phenomenon in the last three years. And I think it's part of that. Not that every child in that situation has a parent who's rescuing them, but I think it's part of it. I can't handle discomfort. This is too much for me. Whereas when we're letting them take risks that are age appropriate, when we're letting them fail, we're letting them experience discomfort and disappointment along the way. They believe they're more capable and they're going to be less anxious. And And all I can say is I've seen it firsthand in my counseling office. And I believe we are crippling sounds really strong. But to some degree, I do believe that's what we're doing. We're creating an entitled generation that feels too much power. Mm. because we're rescuing them so much. And so they believe they have to be rescued Mm. and they are not going to, there is nothing about adulthood that rescues us. Mm. And so they are going to be in the midst of so many issues that they're not going to feel capable of. And that's just like you said, that's our job is to raise healthy, capable, confident as much as we can kiddos. And, and that means experiencing some of life in small doses when we can help them pick up the pieces. And we know suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. That is the only pathway I have read in scripture that moves towards character. Mm. And so to think about what does it look like? And in the worry-free book, I talk about what are two things you're doing for your kids that they can do for themselves mm-hmm. and what are two things you're doing for your kids that they can almost do for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I want you to stop doing all four. That means you got to let go. Yeah. And that, I think that that's one of the hardest things to yes. do as a parent because we want to control. Mm-hmm. Like we want to control. And I think for me, a lot of my anxiety comes from my control. And I always know for me, when I start feeling anxious thoughts, when I start feeling that anxiety rising up, it's because I'm trying to control some area in my life that isn't mine to control. That's for me. And so when I can stop and say, what am I trying to control? Who am I trying to control? And how can I release that to the Lord? And verbally releasing it to God, opening up my hands, I mean like, 
God, I'm really scared for my 16 year old. She's, you know, there's just a lot right now and I'm afraid for this or my 14 year old or my 18 year old or my three year old, whatever, you know, but just in saying, would you help me to release this to you instead of trying to control this? And it's made such a difference for me to just recognize anxiety for me as a red flag to stop Mm, and say, where is this coming from? And what am I trying to control? And I know every, every person is different, but for me, that's been so helpful because now I see it as this kind of this warning red flag to stop and to really dig into where this is coming from and to deal with it instead of just letting it loop out into pretty soon. I'm yelling at the kids. I'm feeling completely overwhelmed. It feels like life is spinning out of control. And so to just recognize it as a warning sign and to stop and to release whatever it is. And sometimes I have to do that over and over again. It's not just like this one time thing, but that's been so helpful to me. And so I really appreciate what you shared because I think, yes, those are hard words. Like as a parent, we, we don't want our kids to have hard things. I mean, honestly, like I wish that they didn't have to have pain. Mm -hmm. I wish there wasn't discouragement. I, I have a child right now who's just, there's, has felt like there are so many losses in their life. And Mm. I'm just like, God, could they just have a win? And my husband said to me the other day, just think about what God is preparing them for in their future, that the character that they are building in these hard times. And I think God has something really great for them that they wouldn't be able to have the backbone for had they not gone through so much loss and discouragement over the last year. And so- I love that you know that, that you can see that. Oh, some days it's hard though. Let me tell you, some days I'm just like, I just want to fix it for them. Sure, of course, (laughs) which again means you're a great parent Mm. and you love your kiddos so much. And, you know, I have a workbook that goes with the book and I do a lot of asking parents to kind of dig back into their own past. But I Mm. think if we were going to sit here and talk about how we became who we are, Mm. my guess is 98% of it had to do with disappointment, with struggle, with having to develop resilience, hard things we've been through in combination with people who spoke a lot of truth into our lives in those times. And so, you know, I think, man, if somebody had stepped in and stopped me from experiencing some of the things that I experienced, I wouldn't be who I am. Mm. And I'm so grateful for God's redemption of those things now. Mm. Parents, I hope that this has just been such an encouragement to you. I know I am so encouraged. Sissy, I just appreciate the way that you're just pouring out your life to help so many families, so many teens, so many children's and children's, so many, so many teens, so many children, and really to change the next generation. You know, I was thinking of these different things you're talking about that you're seeing in this generation that you haven't seen in the past. And yet, you're giving the tools and the encouragement so that we don't have to see that in the future and that it can be better in the future. So thank you so much. Thank you for writing this book, The Worry-Free Parent, Living in Confidence So Your Kids Can Too. And I just encourage every single parent, even if you're not a parent, if you work with kids, if you know someone who is a parent who has anxiety, if you hope to be a parent someday, I mean, honestly, this is probably one of the best books you could read if you hope (laughs) to be a parent someday so that you don't have to make these mistakes and learn the hard way. But I highly recommend go get a copy of Sissy Goff's book, The Worry-Free Parent. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 